Well, we're beginning today a new series, Cultivate, and just a little disclaimer on that, it's not just, all, it's not just our effort in cultivating, of course, it is the Holy Spirit indwelling and living in us that helps us, that cultivates in us, and therefore we can be cultivated and we can spread it around, if you will, and so we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, those nine great uh, important qualities and attributes. Our focal passage this morning is going to be 1 John 4. It's t- if the Lord has to uh, lead and allow where, with some of these subjects, where in the world do you go when you could use this passage or that passage or what? But we're going to find some great things there. So if you'll be turning there as we begin cultivating love in a selfish world, you'll see each title will have uh, the fruit of the Spirit and it'll have a contrasting uh, descriptor to our world because we live in a selfish world. I don't know if you've discovered that yet, but we do. We live in that. Uh, I want to share with you this. On June 25th, 1967, anybody discovered North America by then? Anybody out there? Am I the only one who was born then? Okay. You're scared to lift your hand. Go ahead and admit your age. It's okay. It really is. It's liberating. On June 25th, 1967, this is a big deal back then, more than 400 million people in 26 countries watched, not via the internet, but via satellite, the Beatles. I thought some of the ladies would go, woo-hoo-hoo. I know you were groupies back then, but the Beatles perform a song, and the song was this, All You Need Is Love. You see, the Beatles, you may not have known this, had been asked to uh, come up with a simple song that could be understood by all the nations, and they came up with All You Need Is Love, and I'm going to give them credit. They were close. They didn't quite get the truth but they were clothed. You see, all you need is love is not quite there. What we really need is the God who is love. To be precise, what we really need is Jesus who was sent by the God who is love. Are you tracking with me? Most importantly, uh, I want you to think about this today. We need to be connected to Jesus. Jesus is the source of love. And when that happens, real love, the kind of love we're talking about that Today, real love, supernatural love, will flow, get this, flow from Jesus into us and out of us into others. And here's the statement, God is love. I want you to think about that today. We're going to do something each week. There's going to be a slide that appears on the screen right now. Ready? Didn't work. When Michael did that and showed you the lights, it worked, but boy, I tell you what, we're going to recite this together every week, and hopefully you'll have it memorized. If you're like me, you might have memorized in a couple translations, so that kind of messes you up, but let's do this one together. Would you read it with me? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I felt like I was in BBS right there. We were learning a memory verse. So we'll be doing that each and every week to remind us of what's going on. Today we look at love, which I believe is the preeminent fruit. What does that mean, fruit of the Spirit? That word means result, produce, outcome, offspring, yield, harvest. 
So think about that. It's the preeminent fruit of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. It's his first in the first triad of fruit. If you'll recall, when we went through the Galatians series, we just quickly in one week broke down that passage, and we saw these nine things, and it was like triad, 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 how we relate to, to God, to others, to ourselves, and it was kind of interesting. But I would say to you, not only is this the first fruit of the triad, this is the source where all fruit flows from. And let's remember this, it is the Holy Spirit's fruit in us, okay? So lo- how do you talk about love? Anybody? I guess you write a song. I, I'm, I didn't write a song. So I went to kids. Here's some definitions of love. Does this help you? John, age nine, said this, love is like an avalanche when you have to run for your life. May, age nine, said it this way. No one is sure why it happens, but I heard it was something to do with how you smell. That's why perfume and deodorant are so popular. Good job, May. A year younger, Greg, age eight, said, Love is the most important thing in the world, but baseball is pretty good, too. Go Red Sox. All right. And then Tom, age five, boy, he wrapped it up. I'm not sure if he got it right, but it's pretty good. He says, Once I'm done with kindergarten, I'm going to find me a wife. We're getting closer, but we are not there yet. Here's a couple more that are getting us closer to what we want to talk about today. Listen to this one. Boy, it just touched my heart. My mommy loves me more, deep, more than anybody. You don't see anyone else kissing me to sleep at night. Oh. And then this, this one really gives me a pretty good picture and gets me ready to go with what this word is. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Well, it's a peculiar word that's used there in Galatians and used in our focal passage and used all over Scripture. The word is agape. You've heard of that. It looks like agape, but that's not it. The transliteration is agape, and we look at that word. Here's a few definitions to get us going. It's pretty hard to give an exact definition, but we're going to start bringing it down. Here's the first one that I read. God's willful direction towards mankind. God doing what he knows is best for us and not necessarily what we desire. And, of course, the example of that is what? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So there's a good example of that. And the definition goes on to say he gave not what we wanted but what he knew we needed. Here's another definition. A direction of the will and finding one's joy. Well, hey there, my name is Drew Hoy and I... Wow. I don't know if you knew this, but Drew Hoy is on a two-week leave of absence as of now. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Drew is like, I didn't push that button, I promise. Where were we? We were on a second definition. A direction of the will and finding one's joy in something or someone. Here's another one. The love of choice that leads to a willing, self-sacrificial service. The big idea today, I want you to get this, is we are to exhibit, we are to exhibit a self-sacrificing love. You might want to jot that down. We are to exhibit a self-sacrificing love, which is a result of the Holy Spirit working in us. So we got to exhibit it. What is it? It's self-sacrificing 
How does it happen? It's a result, not of me, because I'm a great guy, of God's Spirit working through me. Let's read 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains or abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given to us, here it is, from his Spirit. You see that? And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. And here it is a second time. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. In this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. For we are as he is in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear. Because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. And then look at the last two verses. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And then verse 21. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word, that you would bring your word alive into our lives, and that we would pay attention to something that is in stark contrast to the culture and world in which we live. God, I acknowledge we live in a selfish world. God, our world is so narcissistic. God, it's all about me, me, me. It's all about my rights. It's all about who I can blame. We could go on and on, God, and this is where we live. And yet, you've placed us in this world. And you have said in your scripture that we are as you are in this world. So, God, help us to exhibit this self-sacrificing love that is a result of the Holy Spirit in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this won't go too long. This may be one of the simplest sermons I preach, but very profound when we talk about love. So let's jump in. The first couple of verses we read, uh, what I get, I outlined it this way. There's the command to love, the command to love. And he starts off saying, dear friends, says it a couple times, or maybe in your scripture it says, beloved, interesting word. Guess where that, uh, that uh, word comes from or that title to, to the folks that he's writing to and to us comes from the word agape. 
It all goes together there. What does that mean? It, it, it's spoken of, this, this title, if you will, is spoken of Christians. But not just Christians. Christians who are united with God. And also we could say this, Christians who are united with each other in the bonds of holy love. What a picture for us to see today. So I see in verse 7, first of all, loving others gives evidence. There's, there's a couple evidences. Loving others gives evidence that we have been born of God. Did you catch that in verse 7? You see, it's a particular kind of love. It's found only in those who have been regenerated from Christ. It's found only in those who have been saved, born again, whatever word you want to use. It's only those that are in relationship with God who have confess Jesus as Lord, who have believed in the heart that God raised them from the dead, who have repented from their sin and turned and ran and given life, the life that we have to him that he might live in us. So when we love others, that's evidence that we're born of God. Also, we see in verses 7 and 8 that it gives evidence that we know God. Not just that we're born of God, that we know God. You see, love, this type of love, this self-sacrificing love, shows that the Christian is continuing to grow in knowledge of God. But don't be mistaken by that. It's not talking about facts. It's not talking about recitations. It's not talking about that. We, as Christians over the years, somehow got the idea that knowledge is king. Knowing, knowing. It's, you know it's got to be so much more than knowing about Jesus, doesn't it? It's got to be knowing him. And so when we see that, that loving others gives evidence that we know God, it's love. It's that love part that does if you want to show evidence that God is in you, that you know God, that you have that relationship with God, it is not what kind of Bible study you can teach. It is not how you can preach. It is not how you can sing the words of Scripture. It is how you love. Wow. The negative is there as well in verse 8, and it's a strong one. It, I don't know how else to say it. It's a simple sermon. The one who does not love is a stranger to God. I'm not sure I get it exactly, but it's Scripture, and there it is. If there's not love, you better check yourself because you done wrecked yourself. Think about it for a minute. You're a stranger to God. Why? The statement is given there. Because God is love. Now, we've got to camp there for just a minute. Because there's some stuff in our world that has got mixed up. And, and stay with me just for a moment when I talk about God is love. When we see this statement, we see it twice in this passage, God is love. The statement does not ignore or exclude the other attributes of God. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? All you need is love. Uh-uh. Well, this is my reality and my love. Uh-uh. God is love does not exclude or get rid of all the other attributes of his being. Notably, it does not exclude his justice. All, all ways of love don't lead to God, okay? Even if our world would tell us that. It doesn't exclude his justice, and it surely doesn't exclude his truth. I mean, Jesus said, I am the way, the, right? And what? The truth. I'm the truth. Hmm. So don't make it say that. People do. Churches sometimes do that. You see, there's a tendency for more liberal thought 
to transpose this truth. Stay with me just for a minute. God is love, and more liberal theology has transposed that to being love is God. You're not gonna, there's not an exact transposition. You can't take it to that conclusion. That's not a biblical idea. Remember something as we think about love today and God is love. The controlling principle of the universe, the controlling principle of the universe is not some abstract quality of quote unquote love. The controlling principle of the universe is a sovereign living God who happens to be the source of all love and who as love himself loves. But don't listen to those cultural gurus. We, we can't just say, well, God is love, so all love is God. All love is not God. I don't get to choose my definition of it. I don't get to choose my relationships of it. I don't get to choose my reality of it. It comes back to God, the universal sovereign. Are we clear on that? Are we good on that? We could spend time on that. But we have to realize that sometimes people are running around, well, if God is love, then love, da, 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 da. We've got to be careful with that. So God is love, but not all love is God. Well, let's move on to verses 9 through 11. I think this is powerful here. This is the example of love. Okay, what is it? Here's the example. You see, there's an incredible way God's love was displayed. Do you remember it? God sent Jesus. Why? According to verse 9, that we might live. Humanity was dead and is dead with no life or hope. And yet God sent Jesus to rescue us from our sin. Have you been rescued today? Have you been rescued? Have you been regenerated? Is God's spirit indwelling your life? Not, not only uh, that we might live, but that he might die. I know some people say, boy, you guys, man, you got this thing about blood and death and everything. I'm sorry, that's how it happened. Jesus did what? He died on the cross for us. This is what we call the atonement. Have you heard of that? And, and the word used here in Scripture in this verse 10, it says what? Look at it. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, that's a big church word we use all the time. But it's a simple word. What does propitiation mean? It means the removal of divine wrath. Well, what does that mean? Jesus' death is the means which turns God's wrath from the sinner. What was David just talking about a few minutes ago in worship? God's holiness, right? His separateness. You see, God is holy. He can have nothing to do with sin. He cannot look upon that. You remember when Jesus died, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God had to turn away from Jesus as he took the sin of the world upon himself. This is the rescue plan. This is God's plan for us sinners. And Jesus is our propitiation, the means which turns God's wrath away from the sinner. Jesus said, I died for you. I died for you. God, they have been saved. They have that relationship. And Jesus does that and intercedes for us. 
So it's a great example. God sent Jesus that we might live, that he might die, and also that we might love others. Don't miss verse 11. Those who are children of God must do some things. Do you see this in verse 11? There it is, dear friends, beloved. If God loved us in this way, we also must what? Love one another, that we might love others. So if we're children of God, we must show mercy because God shows mercy. Did you know that? Luke 6.36, jot it down. Well, what does that say? The very words of Jesus, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Simple sermon, isn't it? Very clear. Not only must we show mercy because he shows mercy, we must strive to be holy since he is holy. 1 Peter 1.15 and multiple places in Leviticus says this, As the one who has called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Not in some of it, not in your opinion, not in your attitude, not in what I think I ought to do, but in all conduct. Wow. And we must also love, according to this scripture, since he loves. So let me ask a loaded question today. How you doing? How you doing with this? How's it going? How are we doing? Well, let's cover a bunch of the passage here, what I call the aids to love, verses 12 through 19, the aids to love. And there's just a series of things that can help us in this regard, this task of loving as God loves. And the first one we find in verse 12 is perfected love. You see, unseen God can be seen in our lives, in the lives of those who demonstrate his love to others. It's a picture of maturation. It's a picture of completeness perfected love. Verse 13, he talks about remaining or abiding in his spirit. It's clear. God's spirit abides, remains in us, enabling us to abide in him. It's his work. It's his fruit. Love is his fruit. And we have that in verse 13. And then we get to 14 and 15, so very important. And we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent. It doesn't just say we've seen. We testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses Jesus as, is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. So another aid to this type of self-sacrificial love is that we confess the Son as Savior. The message of love and truth are mutually inclusive. Did you catch that? I didn't say exclusive inclusive. You can't separate it. Love and truth. What really happened, God has recorded it for us. You can't separate those. Loving others does not come from guilt, therefore. It's not something that, oh, you wake up, I got to love somebody. Oh, No, it's not from that at all. What is loving? What is this about? As we confess the Son and Savior, it, we, <clears throat> we love others because of gospel gratitude, the thanksgiving that we have that God sent His Son. And we love others because God's Spirit indwells us if we're a believer, and He's working. And then verse 16 helps us just to, to know this, know the Father's love. Again, it's stated right here that God is love. And it says, know and believe. Now, these are two interesting words. They're connector words, if you will. Know and believe are very closely connected in this verse. Almost as if it was a compound verb. Look at it. 
I've got to find it. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. Wow. The, it's hard to understand, but the more we love God, the more we understand the love of God. And the more we understand his love, the easier it is to trust, to believe. Do you see how that goes together? And then a great verse, verse 17, talking about the future, talking about judgment. We, we need to be confident for the future. Are you confident in your future? Anybody here confident in your future? I don't always know that by the things we talk about. We talk about what we saw on the news. We talk about this law or that law. We talk about this election or that election. We talk about uh, this person or that person. But are we confident in our future? According to Scripture, we should be. Because the love is perfected. It carries that idea again of completion. You see, abiding or remaining in the love of God gives us confidence about the future. Ultimately about what? The coming judgment. Scripture tells us everybody has a death date. And the moment you die comes what? The judgment. Judgment of God. And we need to know that we can have confidence in that. And then verse 18 continues on. We're to love God with no fear. When God's love has reached its intended goal, when God's love has accomplished its perfect work, fear before God is driven out. Why? The dread of punishment, judgment, is conquered. And then we love God. I love verse 19. Did you catch it? It's not a real long verse. We love because he first loved us. Isn't that awesome to know? I think it's awesome to know. Now, I told you this was a simple ser sermon. Here's where it gets profound. Look at verses 20 and 21. I'm not making this stuff up, folks. There's a test for this kind of love. Look at verse 20. If I may share it in this way. To love God and hate your brother is to live a lie. Do you see that? You can't put a qualifier on it. You can't change it. If we say we love God and hate our brother, beloved, dear friends, brothers and sisters, it is to live a lie. It says that person is a liar. But, but, but Lamar, but if, if you only knew, you, you weren't there when that happened. I know I wasn't there, but Scripture says if you hate your brother and you say you love God, you are a liar. I think there's some repentance that needs to happen in our lives. Amen? Amen? Wow. Not many amens out there right now. Okay. It's at least 21 comes. Verse 21 is helpful because then if you love God and instead of hate your brother, love your brother, that is to obey God's command. So there's hope. We don't have to stay in verse 20. We can live out verse 21. Isn't that grateful to note? Now listen to me closely, church. 
I believe I'm still in the honeymoon phase. Some of you are saying, yeah, not in five minutes, buddy. But I, I, church family, listen, we must be better than we are, than we have been. Listen to my heart. We must apply these truths from God's word to our relationships, not just to our families, but we must apply this especially in our church body. Do you know one reason, at least I believe in, in my decades of service, one reason more and more people aren't getting the true gospel and being willing to consider it, knowing that God is the one who saves, is because of how Christians treat each other and how Christians treat the world. Let me remind you, lost people are acting like lost people. Quit being surprised that they act and do certain things. They're lost. Do any of you remember when you were lost? Especially if you were saved as an adult? Do you remember what? You don't want to recount all the things that you had done, do you? I don't. I don't want to recount the things that I had done in my life that you had done in your life. And yet, we expect this standard of holiness and love and perfection to be among people who have no relationship with the Lord. But let me drill down, church family. It is time for repentance. It is time, hear me, for reconciliation. It is time for restoration. And my question that I wrote down was, who will you go to? I feel like I have failed today if there are not people in this room, if there are not people that are listening online, that God would reveal to them a broken relationship uh, and they do not go and reconcile. Church, for I believe for revival to come, I believe for God just to let us impact this wonderful city. Yes, I said wonderful the, the mission field, the harvest, for that to happen, we have got to love one another. And it doesn't say love one another except the guy that said that in the meeting. It doesn't say love one another except someone that voted different than I did. It doesn't say that. It says love one another as God has first loved us. It is time, church. My prayer, I've been praying, my, my plea is that all of us would do that. That today, even today, people would go to brothers and sisters and would say, I love you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And some of you are saying, well, you don't know what someone did. Listen, forgiveness is not dependent on exacting a pound of flesh out of someone. Hello? Forgiveness, we have to be able to forgive whether they ever ask for forgiveness or not. And I have seen it in my life, and I have seen it in other lives, when we go and say, let's reconcile. And we don't say, if you will just confess this. It is amazing what God can do in that relationship. Is the honeymoon over? <laughs> this is what God has given me to share. I think for most of us, God's already given us a name right now. What will we do with it? But let me close in this way. It's going to get better. Let me close in this way. 
as you know, perhaps the best description of this type of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in us comes in 1 Corinthians 13. Would you agree? You know that? How many weddings have you been to? Where do you read that? It really is a great way to apply love in our everyday life. Here's how I want to do it, though. Jerry Bridges, some of you know the author, really helped me out with this. And I want to apply this to us at Hoffmantown. Instead of reading love is patient, love is kind, I'm going to paraphrase it as, as he did it. Just listen to 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 3. Let's apply this to Hoffmantown Church. I am patient with you because I love you and want to forgive you. I am kind to you because I love you and want to help you. I do not envy your possessions or your gifts because I love you and want you to have the best. I do not boast about my attainments because I love you and want to hear about yours. I am not proud because I love you and want to esteem you before myself. I am not rude. Wow. Let's just skip that one, okay? No, we can't. We can't. I am not rude because I love you and care about your feelings. I am not self-seeking because I love you and want to meet your needs. I am not easily angered by you because I love you and I want to overlook your offenses. I do not keep a record. Boy, this is a tough one, right? Keeping the record of wrongs. I do not keep a record of your wrongs because I love you. And according to 1 Peter 4, last part of verse 8, love covers over a multitude of sins. Wow. Now, if you're not quite there yet, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 just for a moment as we're finishing up. You may be the most successful person out there. You may be the most gifted person out there. You may be the most benevolent person out there. None of it matters without love. Look at the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak the languages of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. See how simple this sermon is? Look at verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy, if I understand all mysteries and, and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, that's pretty cool, but do not have love, I am nothing. Verse 3. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, and if I give my body to be burned, but do not have love, I gain Nothing. And of course, we know the last verse. Now, these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So, 1 Peter 4 8, the last part of the verse, I just shared how love covers a multitude of sins. The first part of 1 Peter 4 8 says this Above all, are you ready, church? This is our directive. Above all, it's above preference, it's above attitude, it's above prejudice, it's above snarkiness, it's above 
fakeness. Can we go on and on? I could ask for words, but we'd be here all day. It's above all that. Above all, Scripture says, maintain an intense love for each other. I have said for decades now, I want to be able to walk down the longest hallway of the church that I'm in and never have to turn to the side because a certain person is coming towards me. Think of that. That's a practical picture for us. I want to be reconciled. I want to be restored. I want to love, realizing that I don't agree with everyone on everything. Are you aware of that? I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm not sure I love everything that we do. But guess what? It's okay, because it's not all about me or for me. I'm not going to be at every activity or event, just like you aren't. But they're there for certain people. And I want to be able to walk. I guess it would be walk down the Fellowship Mall, wouldn't it? All the way down to the children's wing. And no matter who is coming, I can say, hi, love you, good to see you, and really mean it. Instead of turning down a hallway because I don't want to deal with that guy. Right? It's practical for us. Let me challenge us to take this seriously. It is a supernatural, self-sacrificial love. So I ask you today, what hinders you from loving? I don't know. I'm not getting in your business. Let God get in your business. What is it that's hindering you from loving the beloved, the dear friends? Because if we can't get that right, how are we going to love the world? We're not. And we're not going to be winsome and attractive to the world. So what hinders you from loving? Whom do you need to forgive? And perhaps, Christian, the most important question is this. Is the Holy Spirit truly working in you? If so, there ought to be fruit, right? It's singular. There ought to be all of it. And yet it also has a list. And today we're looking at the first thing. But we ought to see these things popping up in our life. I close with verses 9 and 10 that we just read. 1 John 4. Perhaps you're not sure about all this this God stuff, this Jesus stuff. Perhaps you don't have that relationship. Perhaps you're seeking and you're wondering, why am I here? Why am I sitting here? Why am I watching online somewhere? Why? It's because God has you here or there to pay attention to his word. These are not my words. These are God's words. This is what God wants in your life. Verse 9. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the atonement, to be the vehicle that could take God's wrath away from us sinners and put us into fellowship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Has that happened in your life? If not, why not? What is keeping you from that? We're not guaranteed tomorrow, folks. We don't know what might happen. A dear friend of my niece 
yesterday, or I can't remember the exact time, but was in a horrific automobile accident, and he died. It's done. It's over. That could happen to us today. Something else could happen to us today. Why would you wait? Why would you wait? When God has sent his one and only son to make that payment for you. Let's pray. God, we ask that we would be people of love. God, we ask that you would work, your spirit would work in us. And a result, an offspring, a produce, a harvest in us would be this type of love. God, I pray for those who call themselves believers, followers of Jesus, that we would repent, that we would reconcile, that we would seek restoration. God, we, we're, we're, we're pretty smart. God, we know it doesn't mean we agree on everything. We know it doesn't mean that we sweep something under the rug like it never happened. But God, we move forward because this type of love covers a multitude of sin. And God, we realize that we're sinners. Yet we must love. So God, help us. I pray for those who do not have this relationship with you yet, that you would make it clear to them in their hearts right now that the rescue plan is Jesus. And he is waiting and willing to save them their sin right now. So God, we ask that that would happen right now, even today. God, we pray for any kind of decision that you put on our heart that we would have courage to respond. Whether it's salvation, being born again, whether it's taking steps of being a disciple of Christ, baptism, other things, plugging into a church family, whatever it is, God, speak to us today. In your name we pray.